<laughs> How blessed are some people whose lives have no fears, whose dreads to whom no what the fuck? What How blessed are some people whose lives have no fears, no dreads, to whom sleep is a blessing that comes nightly and brings nothing but sweet dreams. Brom Stoker. Hi, and welcome to episode 3 of Demimond Paranormal Podcast. In this episode, we will be focusing on Haunted England. I hope you'll enjoy this new episode. Let's just dive right in. Um, Before we get into Haunted England, I thought that I found an interesting theory while surfing the web. And some of you may have heard about it. It's called the Stone Tape Theory. It's a speculation theory, really. And basically what this theory is, it's some believe that emotions and thoughts can be recorded onto stones. And and the stones retain these emotions, and that's what ghosts are. Ghosts are just typically emotions that have seeped into the stone for many, many years. And they sometimes they just play themselves. Now I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into that subject in just one moment. But before I do, I wanted to ask y'all if you would prefer a podcast every week or once in a week, twice in a week, whatever have you, you let me know in the comments down below when I post this on to Facebook so we can get started. I think I did one last Friday as well. I did two. If you too, if you missed it, please tune in. All right, let's let's dive right in to this um, speculation theory. All right, so the stone tape theory is ghosts and hauntings can be recorded and replayed under certain conditions. Meaning that, like, a, I would say, like, a clairvoyant or somebody with a gift would be able to touch these stones and get visions of what happened. And they could tell of the history that went down in a place or a location many years ago. Some people who believed in this theory was Char- Charles Babbage, Eleanor Sedgwick, and Edmund Gurney. This theory was popularized in 1972. Um, it was popularized in a play about Christmas Christmas time ghosts. This theory was also attributed to an archaeologist and a parapsychologist whose name was T. C. Lethbridge. He believed that ghosts were not dead, but they were, but these emotions that these people had were recorded in stones 
and they were almost similar to a movie. They almost played out like a movie through somebody's emotions. They weren't really ghosts at all. They weren't ghosts of dead people. They were just words that were spoken and they were literally recorded into stone. The idea that environmental elements were able to be recorded, such as human thoughts and emotions, was introduced in the 19th century by philosophers and schoolers. For example, in 1837, Charles Babbage published a work called The Ninth Bridgewater Testes. He thought it was words, he thought that words could have been spoken that even though after they were long spoken and you couldn't hear them anymore, they were imprinted into stone and after after a while after that people could place their hands on the stones and hear what was what has been said years after the fact and he published a work about that he also thought that this was possible through a transfer of motion of particles so the particles of somebody speaking seeped into the stones and that's how you were able to play them back to yourself. Now these recordings could be played back to people, like I said before, who was probably more like a clairvoyant or somebody who had those gifts. I want to move on to the next part. Um, Psychometry is a belief that it's possible to obtain knowledge about history through an object that had physical contact with it. So basically, um, you know, if you were to take a stone from a building that had a lot of history from it, um, it it was believed that if you were to touch it, you would be able to literally see what happened years ago. Um... Now, obviously, this is all up to everybody else's personal view of it. I mean, this, 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 um, theory has been very critically acclaimed. Many people thought that they used for this cold readings, and people were just guessing. And you, in the, one of these people, many skeptics, was Sharon Hill. Sharon Hill was a science educator, educator, and a geologist. Um, she claims that this theory is lack, lacking physical basis and compares it to psychometry, which is criticized for being a form of cold reading. So, as you guessed it, basically, somebody would take whatever have you and basically just guess about what happened and make false claims without any concrete evidence and it would also jump to conclusions and among other things like that you would also have fake psychics clairvoyance mediums whatever have you jumping the gun on basically nothing or anything really i feel like some of those this theory does have 
some um, truth to it. Maybe like an energy could sleep into stone. Not quite as they claimed in the... As Charles Babbage did, however. Or anyone else like that. But maybe there's something did seep into that. Alright. So that's this my two, two cents about the stone tape theory. I want to know what you guys how you guys feel that subject. I think it's really interesting. Like I said before, I think it has some truth to it, but not it's not a miracle, a miracle worker or anything like that. I mean, many believe that it's pseudo pseudoscience and it's just plain cold readings. I receive anything I missed I missed out from my notes to share with y'all. I think we covered most of everything. But back to what I said about Eleanor Sedgwick. She was one of the um, she was one of the paranormal investigators who believed in this stone tape theory, and she actually tried it out on the Borley Rectory. And as we all know, the Borley Rectory, a lot of has turned out to be a hoax. So who really knows for sure? You can't really take that seriously after you hear about something that's a huge hoax, such as the Borley Rectory. Alright. Moving on. Like I said, Episode 3, we're going to do Haunted England. So, I'm going to take you to our first destination. Which we're going to start, we're going to start with St. Bravel's Castle in Gugleshire. In Gugleshire. God damn it, son of a bitch. <laughs> St. Bryavold's Castle, Gloucestershire. This is a 9th century castle that is now a hostel. It is widely thought as one of the most haunted places in the UK. St. Bryavold's Castle is a number one hotspot for ghost hunters. It was built in 1075. The, ca- the castle has been used as a hunting lodge, court, and prison, so a lot of spirits has gone through here. Visitors have reported babies crying, a ghost in a suit of armor, dark figures violently pushing them down the stairs, ground sounds of growling, <laughs> and a feeling of being strangled. So obviously... There is not pleasant, pleasant spirits in that, especially because it used to be a court in a prison. So there's ghosts of prisoners and probably ghosts of corrupt politicians and police officers. Moving on, Chillingham Castle. 
it was built on a, as a stronghold. In the 12th century, Chillingham Castle has history littered with battles and executions. It's rumored to have the host tortured spirits as well as a few friendly ghosts, unlike the other castle we just we just visited. The, okay, this venue it in this venue it hosts ghost tours and all night vigils. Keep your eyes and ears open for dark figures, voices, and moans in the courtyard chamber and pantry and chapel. Goodness gracious. Warwick Castle. Executions in plague and witchcraft. Oh my. Warwick Castle is home to a gruesome past. The famous ghost is one of the murdered Sir Fluke Greville who haunts the towers. There's also said to be a malevolent spirit in the dun- dungeons and poltergeist activity as well. But you can visit it for Halloween. Little Ghostbusters enjoy spooky games in mysterious mazes. The, the fearless can visit the dungeons, take part in a seance, and try to escape plague-ridden characters. Oh my god. So what do you guys think? Would you try that? It sounds pretty creepy. Especially the plague-ridden characters. Oh no, that... That is for, you know, people with actors and stuff like that. It's not really ghosts or like that. But then you've got otherworldly spooks too. So you have actors and you have the real thing as well. I don't know. Tell me if you would do that. And then moving on. We are now in Scotland. In the the Glasgow metropolis. Five, no, 50,000 bodies are buried in this metropolis. So it's no wonder that there is horror stories here. This city of the dead is a popular place for thrill-seeking kids and alleged to be the hunting grounds of a seven-foot child-eating vampire. Visitors have reported seeing strange low mist and hearing whispering voices through gravestones. You can take a walking tour. Garlic and a wooden stake aren't included, so you gotta bring your own. I've never heard of vampires, though, who ate children. I mean, I have heard about the giant Icelandic creature, and I forget what exactly her name is at this point in time, but she comes around around Christmas time, and if your kids aren't good, she'll come in and she'll eat you. Moving on to Skirid Mountain Inn in Wales. Myths surrounding Skirid Mountain tell the tale of the mountain splitting in anger after the crucifixion of Christ. Others say the devil stamped in anger on the mountain, 
causing the dent in the peak. Located on the mountain, the Skirid Mountain is thought to have been used as a court of law during the Norman Conquest. Paranormal investigators are regular customers. While visitors have reported maniacal laughter in empty rooms, loud footsteps, hushed voices, and visions. That is really interesting. When I came across this, I just knew I had to tell you guys about that. And this is, this is in Wales. Really quite fascinating. Would you guys visit Scared Mountain in? It's quite, it's a quite quaint little cottage. I'm looking at a picture of it right now. And we're moving on to the story behind the ancient Ram Inn. This is often called the most haunted house in Britain. This uniquely historic ancient looking inn also happens to be the oldest looking in one under edge, a small village in England, about 40 minutes from Bristol. It is known as one of the most unique properties in the region and has its fair share of strange history and mystery plus a host of unique residents. <laughs> the ancient history of the inn. The ancient Ram Inn has a rather interesting past with multiple lives to tell. Before the building's construction began in 1145, the site was home to a multi-millennia millennia pagan burial ground that lies on the ley lines, which traced directly to the ancient mysterious site of Stonehenge. Which, let's just take a break from that for a moment. I just learned something really interesting about Stonehenge in a documentary just a few nights ago. Now, when I before I watched this documentary, I thought that Stonehenge had to deal with the Druids. And I actually found out that it does not have to deal with the Druids or witches or pagan um, people directly. It actually had to do with building a monument to a specific um, place in time, the Stone Age. Which, when I was watching that documentary, I was a little, I was a little shocked to hear that. They were literally just building a monument to say, to, you know, celebrate a place in time before it became the Bronze Age in England. Okay, moving on. This connection rise to legend that the strange paranormal happenings documented on the property relate to its unique past. The ancient Ram Inn, the building that stands today, was constructed in 1145. It was homes to slaves, masons, and other workers building the St. Mary's Church 
nearby. Strings on the grounds had to be diverted around this church site, which according to many, opened up the portal for the dark energy once used in rituals performed by pagans in the area. So not everybody was converted at this time. After the masons and other workers moved out, the house became a home to a priest. Later, it was made into an inn and public house in 1968. However, someone new brought the ancient ram in and made it his home. I don't know about that. Would you guys ever think to make a, a location that old into your own house? I don't know. There's a lot of spirituality going on. Let's figure. The man's name is John Humphreys. He bought the place in the late 60s and preserved it from construction. Now the first night he stayed on the property. He says he met the spirits that make the ancient ram in one of the most haunted spots in England. He claims that demonic forces grabbed him by the arm and dragged him across the room from his bed. Since that time, he's found evidence of ritual sacrifices in devil worship on the inn's grounds. Even more horrifying, he came across the skeletal remains of children he believes were stabbed with daggers. The ghostly spirits never discourage Humphreys from maintaining his residence there. Though his wife and daughters left him at the inn, he remained, preserving the building. Night after night, the spirits returned, but Humphrey stuck it out for 50 years until his death in 19, I mean, in 2017. So he stayed there for 50 years, just kind of waiting off these ghosts and demonic forces for 50 years. I wonder though, did they finally win in 2017 or did he go peacefully? You gotta wonder these things. These evil spirits and entities wait till he was in a weakened state. So who, let's find out who really haunts this house. There are several entities that are believed to haunt the inn. Perhaps the most is a witch that was burned at the stake in the area in the 1500s. In the height of the witch hunting, the woman fled from the potential trial by government-sanctioned witch hunters and took refuge in the ancient Ram Inn. She was soon captured, however, and burned at the stake. Of course, she lives on in legend. The room where she hid was dubbed the witch's room, and her spirit is believed to be haunting it to this day. Also, there are stories of the formal innkeeper's daughter who who was hanged in the attic. The spirits of virtually murdered children, exorcisms, and other dark haunting events in the millennia-old inn. Orbs of these spirits have been photographed by paranormal investigators in the curious. 
strange lights have been ter strange lights have terrified visitors hoping for a sneak peek at the afterlife. Also, we have the bishop's room, which is considered the most haunted in the ancient Ram Inn. This is where Bishop stayed. In days past, in the room is supposedly haunted by the spirits of several bishops today. Dark monks and evil spirits, including the spirits of these bishops, are said to be hanging in there on the regular. Even a Roman centurion has been appearing on horseback riding through the walls towards plumbers who were minding their own business. An incubus and a succubus supposedly haunt the room that John Humphreys selected for his sleeping quarters. Sleeping quarters. Mistreating those who mistreating those brave enough to stay a night. So, who owns the inn now, you may ask? Well, none other than John Humphrey's daughter, Caroline Humphreys, now has possession of the ancient Ram Inn and has given invitations to archaeologists to study its unique history. The hotel remains open to visitors. Most are paranormal tourists who test their mettle by staying overnight so what do you guys think you th I think it, I, I wouldn't dare go in there at least not without a crucifix or And welcome back. I have a new location for us to learn about. Have you ever heard of Ham House? Or the ghost of Ham House? Cold spots, the sound of footsteps, and the inexplicable scent of roses have reported have been reported at Ham House in Surrey. Glimpses of a mysterious characters all around this place has won it the reputation of being one of our most haunted places. This is located in Surrey, England. At the center of this haunting, it seems to be the restless spirit of Elizabeth Murray, Duchess of Lauderdale. She inherited Ham House from her father in 1655. Let's start with her ruthless ambition. In life, Elizabeth was ambitious and ruthless. She played a dangerous political game by seeing by being friends with both Charles II and Oliver Cromwell. Her aim was to guarantee herself a place of influence with whoever ended up in power. She was equally strident in her personal life, taking family, family members to court if they crossed her. So meaning she was not really all that nice, was she? She was willing to take her own family members to court if they crossed her. And back in those days, you could have done anything to have crossed somebody, even if you didn't do anything at all. 
When her first husband died, suddenly she quickly remarried the recently widowed John Maitland, 1st Earl of Lauderdale. Did she murder? Some speculated darkly about the suspiciously close deaths of both her husband and the Earl's wife. Facilitated Elizabeth's rise further up the social ladder. But in the end, she ran out of luck after the death of her second husband came financial problems. This, along with ill health, forced Elizabeth to confine herself to a single ground floor apartment at Ham House. I wonder if they had a lot of ham in Ham House. I'm sorry, I had to say it. Alright, let's go on to the hauntings. <laughs> let's begin with a haunted looking glass. Okay, this haunting looking glass is on the ground floor where ghostly events seem to be concentrated. Many visitors report a strange, oppressive atmosphere in the room. Pets seem reluctant to enter. There is also a large looking glass dated from Elizabeth's time that some people say they are too scared to glance into, inexplicably afraid of what or whom they might be seeing back staring back at them in fact so powerful so powerful is the force that dominates the room that staff have been known to mutter good afternoon your ladyship before entering just to be on the safe side damn that's when i first read that i was really creeped out i was like you know i gotta tell you all about this I have never heard of a haunted looking glass. Tell me, what would you do if you peered into that looking glass and you saw her ladyship, Elizabeth, staring back at you in fury? Moving on. A woman in black. In addition, a woman of black who is believed to be Elizabeth has been seen on the stairs nearby, but Elizabeth isn't the only spirit to haunt Ham House. The ghostly screams of a, of a, su a suicidal young nobleman who fell in love with, who fell in love with, was rejected by a servant girl who had her who had heard at the property. So what do you guys think about that? I'm not surprised you would dress all in black like that. And that is the haunting of Ham House. And welcome back. Now we're going to move on to a haunted library and a very bookish ghost. This is the formal Felbrig Hall. Um, the resident was William Wynnum III, who was obsessed with books. Most of the ghosts associated with the Norfolk house could relate to him. 
He is believed to still visit the magnificent library in Velbrig in order to read all the books he didn't have time to read while he was still alive. Books on fire. William Wyndham inherited the hall in 1749. In 1809, a fire broke out in the friends in a friend's London library. William couldn't bear to see the books burn and risked his life rescuing precious volumes. He was badly injured in the flames and died a few weeks later. Now see, that is sad to me. But a ghostly (laughs) a ghostly reader returns. But his ghost is still seen in the library at Felbrig, catching up on his reading. Staff and volunteers report seeing William sitting at the library table and relaxing in a library chair. However, according to a, according to at least one source, the ghost will only appear at a particular combination of books is placed on the library table. So, if you put out some books that he does not want to read, he won't appear. Which, I find that actually kind of sweet, though. That he loved to read books that much. Hmm, books are pretty important, let's be honest. So, how many fellow book readers do I have in this group or listening to this podcast? Because me, personally, I love to read. And I can actually feel for this guy. And welcome back. I bring you to our next location, which is haunted by a friendly spirit who loves children. Now, I do warn you, this tale is a bit sad. It's about a sad, tormented soul who seemingly is unable to rest and has appeared many times to staff and visitors here, and particularly children. In 1816, a depressed George Lennox Cunningham committed suicide, leaving his second wife, Olivia, to bring up their children. She also had to live with the guilt and grief of being able, not being able to save her husband from his demons. She was quite fond of children. Her ghost is said to roam the house to this day. But most considered Olivia a benign presence who is particular, particularly fond of children, often choosing to appear to the youngest in the house. Usually, most sightings seem to take place during the day, and she has been seen walking through the house or standing quietly on the stairs. Almost all aspects of her haunting seem to be peaceful. And there is only one slightly unsettling story relating to a wooden cot that Olivia used for her children. Now there is a mysterious knocking. During the Silver during the Second World War, US soldiers at Spring Hill complained of a strange knocking noise coming from the night coming from the night nursery. They asked for the cot to be removed. It was loaned out to the Armagh 
museum and the knocking stopped after the end of the war in return of the cont the the phantom knocking was heard was heard once again see that story was quite sad so after the phantom wooden cot was deceived the fucking god damn it after the phantom cot was donated to the Armoff Museum the knocking mysteriously stopped and then once the cot returned it started up again but only just once I found that really interesting now moving on to our next tale of ghostly happenings in England I take you to Newton House this 17th century building enloped by a Victorian facade is set in ex- extensive landscape parks. Alright, in the 1980s, a TV crew stayed the night at this lonely property. Their aim was to try and capture some evidence to, su- to support the many stories of ghosts and strange happening on the property. I wonder if we'll ever see it. Although they were unable to record anything, at the one point, a cameraman swears that he felt an invisible pair of hands squeezing his throat. On other occasions, staff members have reported hearing muffled voices when they know that they are alone. Lights switch on and off when the house is empty and locked up. There is also a number of mysterious cold spots. And from time to time, there was the unmistakable aroma of pipe or cigar smoke when no one is smoking. We're moving on. Murder most foul. One possible source of this paranormal activity is the murder of Eleanor Cavendish, of Lady Eleanor Cavendish, that is. She was the cousin or sister of the lady of the house in the 1720s. She was forced to marry a man she didn't love. Their marriage was a disaster, and eventually she ran away from him to seek refuge with her family at Newton House. But her enraged suitor followed, bursted into the house, and strangled her to death in the very room where the cameraman felt his hands around his throat. Wow. I don't know about y'all, but that's pretty crazy, and I just, I just had to share that with y'all. Honestly, though, like, it's, it's gonna wonder. Such anger can last for years and centuries, and you just think to yourself, why just hold on to it? Why not just let it go, you know? Why not just let it go and be at peace of yourself? I hope you guys are enjoying this new segment of Demi Mond Paranormal. I, I really do enjoy, you know, making these. And I hope you guys enjoy listening. 
And I hope I'm not, I'm not rambling or anything like that. Um, and before we move on to our next uh, location in England, I want to talk to y'all about something I learned about not too not too long ago. This last night, actually, I learned about these um type of stingless bees called vulture bees. Tell me if you guys ever heard of these. Um, they're a type of stingless bee, and they're called vulture bees because they literally will eat dead meat, just like a vulture bird would. And they meat, they actually make honey, just like a regular bee would. They make honey through the enzymes of by they make honey by regurgitating the dead meat that they ate and they make it into honey it's literally meat honey I don't know if you guys ever heard of them but maybe in the next podcast I'll talk a little bit more about them but yeah it's really quite interesting on to before I get sidetracked we're gonna go on to our next location and this location um I've heard about but I feel like this story or variations of this story is wrapped in legend more than you know actual facts and stuff like that but this is the story of the and I put this in quotations the headless ghost of Anne Boleyn now if I was a ghost I would not be still headless I'd probably put my head back on or maybe she chooses how she appears to people because she really didn't deserve to die the way she did by King Henry VIII but we're moving on alright so this is the story of Anne Boleyn Anne Boleyn was famously beheaded on the orders of her husband, King Henry VIII, when he became fr- frustrated that she didn't bear him a son and an heir. All right. Her headless ghost is said to return every year on the 19th of May, the anniversary of her execution. As night falls, Anne Boleyn's ghost rides up to the house in a coach drawn by a headless horseman with her own head on her lap. The moment the coach arrives in front of the house, it vanishes into thin air. Tradition has it that when the news of Anne's death reached Bickling Hall in 1536, four headless horses were seen dragging the body of a light of a headless man across Norfolk. Now this is Blickling Hall. That's actually, that's according to, tr- to tradition. So, legend. And we're moving on to the ghost of Sir Thomas, who is Anne Boleyn's father, who is said to haunt the whereabouts having been cursed for taking action, for taking no action to prevent two of his children being executed by the king, Henry VIII. 
Each year, his ghost has to attempt to cross 12 bridges before Cockcrow. His frantic route takes him from Blickling to Roxham. In Oxnead, Mayton, Clotis Hall, Clotis Hall, sorry, in Buxton, Berg. Moving on to the spirit of Falstaff. Other less dramatic ghostly residents of Blickling Hall include the spirit of John Falstaff, who is the inspiration for Shakespeare's Falstaff. In Sir Henry Hobart's dying groans are said to be heard emanating from the West Torrid bedroom on the anniversary of his death. That is crazy. So what do you guys think about that? And that, that was a little bit that was obviously wrapped in tradition, just a spooky story to tell your kids or tell whoever you want. I thought that was really quite interesting. So tell me y'all, are you enjoying this episode? You let me know down in the comments. I'm going to keep asking that throughout the whole episode. I'm always worried that somebody's being bored by my ramblings or anything like that. Oh, do do. Um, before we move on, I want to just, you know, take a minute to tell you about our Facebook group on Facebook, um, Dummy Mond Paranormal. Um, you can join it. It's a public group. I th- I hope you do. We do posts. We do. We find things on YouTube. We do all kinds of interactive things. We do polls. Um, you're all more than welcome to post your own stuff to the group, ask opinions, learn new things, whatever have you. We hope you join us if you have Facebook. If not, we hope you join us on Anchor Podcasts. Moving on to our next location. Welcome back, and our next location is Barry Pomeroy Castle in Devonshire, England. Alright, more to do with King Henry VIII. Pomeroy Castle remained in the hands of the Pomeroy family until the 1540s when it was acquired by the Seymours. The family, including one of Henry VIII's Many wives owned the castle until 1688. Then it was abandoned. The the shell of a once stunning castle is all that is left today. It sits completely empty and often leaves visitors feeling very unsettled. Said to be the most haunted castle in Britain, a number of ghostly stories and encounters have been reported. Most notably, that of the Blue Lady and the White Lady. Now, the White Lady is said to be the restless soul of Margaret Pomeroy, who haunts the dungeons in St. Margaret's Tower. She was held captive in the dungeons by her own family and was consequently starved to death. 
visitors have claimed Margaret has waved to them or eerily stared at them during their visit. Now, I don't know about you, but that just, that just sends chills down my spine. Moving on to the blue lady. The blue lady, the blue lady is believed to be the ghost of a daughter of a Norman castle lord. Her father strangled her baby in one of the rooms of the castle. Her broken-hearted soul is said to lure visitors into various parts of the castle in hope of getting them lost. Now that sounds pretty creepy to me. Sounds like she's a bit malignant. Just because something bad happened to you doesn't mean everybody else needs to pay for it. But that's just my opinion. Tell me all. Would you pay a visit to the Blue Lady in Barry Pomeroy Castle? Moving on to Pendle Hill in Lancashire. England, of course. During the 16th century in Britain, there was a nationwide fear and belief that the public was being contaminated by witches. And as, as just a side note, I want to bring up, um, maybe later in the group or on our podcast, we are going to cover the Pendle Witches, and we're going to cover the trials of 1612 and 1635, I believe, and the little nine-year-old who brought... Brought her whole family down, including her mother, Elizabeth Davis. It's quite an interesting story, and I hope you guys will join me for that one. And we're going to move on. Now, during this time, if a family member fell ill or passed away, the blame would immediately be put on witches. Pendle Hill which is near, is, is, I believe it's a very heavily wooded, it's about a forest, so it's perfect, it's a perfect location for witches and witchcraft, so maybe some of this witchcraft, and I put that in quotation marks, is in somebody's head because it's the perfect location, it's spooky, it's eerie, there's nature everywhere, I mean who wouldn't think of witches when it gets dark? And it gets ominous. Anyway, moving on. Pendle Hill is allegedly home to the spirits of not one, not two, but, if you can guess it, up to ten witches who were hung in Lancaster Castle after being accused of murdering ten people before being buried in a foreboding hill back in 1612. These witches were said to haunt buildings and villages that surround that surround the hill, and it has been for this reason that East Lancashire is a huge draw for believers in the supernatural. And if you guys have ever watched Moe's Haunted, they broadcasted live from the haunted hill, and members of the film crew claimed that they felt they like they were being possessed or being strangled by the witches. On top of that, a glass and a table were smashed up live on TV during a seance. So, 
That is pretty crazy. Honestly, I've never heard of anything like that. That is just insane. Also, in the town of London, there is the story of a terrifying ghost known as the White Lady at the White Tower, right at the heart of the London Tower. Visitors who come to this location report glimpses of a figure in white in the corner of their eyes and a horrible pungent smell of old, overpowering perfume. Now, back at least in the, you know, in the Victorian days, they used to use stuff like lilac and rose. Um, lavender was a big one, but we're not talking about the Victorian era. We're talking about, in this case, the days of Annabelle Lanigan and King Henry. I would say that they probably used roses and lavender a lot. They probably sprayed on a whole bunch. They say it was horrible and pungent. We all know how pungent lavender can be when it's used in the wrong sense. Alright, moving on to our next location. Stay tuned. And we're back again. I take you now to Clifford's Tower in York, England. Clifford's Tower sits on a hill and provides amazing views of York. It was a refuge for Jews in the 12th century when an angry anti-Semitic mob rioted against them. Instead of leaving the tower and dying at the hands of their prosecutors, many of the Jews committed suicide. Others died when the building was set on fire. Every year, Clifford's Tower supposedly turns red or drips with blood on the anniversary of the event. That is crazy. So what do you guys think about that? Do you really believe that when something so heinous such as that happens, that every year on the anniversary, a building would turn red? Like it actually remembers what happened in it. We take you next to the treasurer's house, also in York, England. It's located behind York Minster. And in 1953, a man named Harry Martindale was putting in a new, a new boiler in the basement of the house. He heard trumpet, he heard trumpet blasts and saw a, a legion of disheveled Roman empires this a legion of disheveled Roman soldiers with their horses. As one might expect, Harry fled the building as soon as possible, but noticed that the soldiers were only visible above the knees, so they had didn't have a bottom half. Researchers later discovered an old Roman highway that lay knee-deep under the foundation of the treasurer's house. It seems the soldiers were taking, were walking along that road. And that's a bit, we're just about out of time for this new episode of Haunted England. Tell, tell me what you guys thought about this episode down in the comments. And 
I'm thinking next week we will do a segment on either haunted Australia or haunted Germany. But as you all know, I will put up a poll to see what you guys want to hear about. Um, obviously, England will. England won this week, so that's one. That's what we did this week. Last week we did haunted Italy, and the week before that we did haunted Scotland and Ireland. So it's entirely up to y'all. I will see you guys in our next episode for episode four. It may be haunted states, it may be haunted countries. You guys, let me know how we're doing. And as usual. Thanks for tuning in for Demi Mond Paranormal, and we hope you'll stay for this spooky ride. Alright, that's all from, once again, I'm Tori, and I wish you guys sweet dreams. Good night.